this message today I want to talk to you about is called me against me your greatest enemy is not the devil your greatest enemy is not the world your greatest enemy is the flesh and I want to I want to I want to differentiate between the two because you are not what you see in the mirror praise God praise God God bless you guys. I don't want to keep you very long. But God has put this in my heart. You know, I hear people say, you know, they think I'm light on sin. When I'm saying sin is irrelevant for those who walk in their identity as a spirit. In the beginning, when God created Adam, he was both spirit, soul, and body. I'm not going to go deep into this, but I want you to understand some and just dissect this. Because if you don't understand spirit, soul, and body, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23, may the God of peace sanctify you entirely and may your entire spirit and soul and body. You are a triune being just as God is triune. There are three parts that compose you. And if you don't understand that, then you'll only focus on the thing that you can see. And so when you look in the mirror, you think you are the flesh. And the flesh is the most temporary part of your identity. And yet we're bound by it. Yet we're imprisoned by it. When God created everything from the dirt, it was just everything that you see that was created. He created it all from the, from the ground. And then he turned around and gave it to, to Adam and gave him dominion over it. Fish you to see the fowls of the air, the creeping things, the, the, the everything. The trees, the birds, all of it, even his entire, even his body was created from the ground. And when Adam sinned, it all went into Satan's control and it took on Satan's nature. And so God had to curse the ground for his sake so that he could be freed from the prison of his body. Because what God did is God redeemed Adam when he, when he clothed him in, in, in leather coats. You remember, remember when, when Adam sinned? Immediately he died. He was dying and he would die. See, if you think just flesh, then you think Adam didn't die. You think the moment he ate from that tree, he lived another 900-something years. So did Adam really die? Yes, he died spiritually immediately because that was who he really was. He was dying soulishly. That's the mind, will, and emotions. My, what does soulish death look like? It looks like despair and worry and, and calamity and condemnation and paranoia and all those things. The, the, when's the bills going to get paid and if, will I be provided for? Am I going to dry up and die? Where's my next check coming from? Where's my? That's soulish death because there's no rest in the soul when the soul is dying. And the last part, he did die physically. So he did die spiritually he was dying soulishly and he would die physically and we, we see that after after 900 and some odd years he he did finally die physically and notice when G, so i want you to see something that that after all these things went into satan's control everything created from the ground took on his nature and god had to curse the ground so it would so his body which now is has the nature of sin in it would release him why? You say, well, how did he atone for Adam's sin? Adam covered himself in fig leaves. That's a picture of the law. Because every day it's going to wither and you're going to have to put, you're going to have to sew a new one every single day. And they were just aprons. We're not even talking about coats. We're talking about aprons that covered just the essential naked parts. And he was exposed because he was covered in light because his spirit had life. 
And when he sinned, the light went out, and now he's, he sees that he's naked. I tell people, you can look at a light bulb, and you can see when the light's off, you can see the filament. But when that filament is lit up by electricity, you cannot see the filament. You only see the light that's emanating from the filament. Adam's body has a, had a source of light coming out of it. But when he sinned, that, that thing was shut off. And now he sees himself as he is. He sees the filament of nakedness that he's now composed of. And so what God has to do, and he covers up just the essential parts with, with an apron. And, you know, it's going to wither every day. So just like the maintenance plan of the law says you have to do all these things to have life, the law, the same way, that, that, that apron had to be maintained every day. So God found him and God covered him in skins. Coat, the Bible says coats of skin. And what was that? That was a symbolic of the very first sacrifice that would ever be sacrificed for him. So now he's redeemed, but he still lives in a body that now has the nature of sin in it. So if God does nothing now, he will forever be imprisoned in a body that will always control him. So what does God do? He says, curses the ground for your sake. So God cursed the ground so that what, everything that came from the ground would have to go back to the ground. So one day he would be released spiritually, and even though he didn't go to heaven immediately when he died, he went into the holding place and waited until the day that the Lamb of God would come and take away his sins. He was placed into Christ in the future. And so what does God do? When he's redeeming us, he redeems us in the same order we died. Immediately you're born again. That new spirit is given to you. You have a brand new spirit. Ezekiel 36, 26 says, a new heart will I give you and a new spirit. And I'll take out the heart of stone and I'll put in a heart of flesh within your flesh. There's a brand new spirit inside of those post-resurrection. Before the resurrection, they all went into Sheol, into hell, and they waited until the day when Jesus would die on the cross. And when he died on the cross, it was at that moment that all of them came to life. As a matter of fact, if you read Matthew's account, Matthew says that when Jesus gave up the ghost, there was a great earthquake and the, the tombs and rocks broke open. And many Old Testament saints were seen walking in the city. Why? Because they had been released from the prison, from hell. Sheol, not the deepest part. We're not talking Hades. We're talking about Sheol, the place of rest, the paradise, that place called the, the Abraham's bosom, that place that Jesus said the, that, that the, the thief would be. He says, remember me when you, go into your, when you enter into your kingdom. And he says, today will you be with me in paradise. So God is redeeming us in that same process, that same matter, the same order. You must be born again. Immediately you're born again. But the other two parts, the soul and the body, are your responsibility. Romans 12, verse 1 and verse 2. Verse 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, I have a responsibility to renew my mind. And then it also says, I beseech you in the very first verse, Romans 12, 1. I, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body as a living sacrifice. Who's, whose responsibility is the body? The mind and the body belong to you. It's your job to renew your mind and to control your body. God has done the hard part. He cursed the ground for your sake and he gave you a brand new spirit wherein lies your nature. But here's the problem. This is where I get to my problem. We are so focused on the body. We don't trust the spirit. You know that God has given you a new spirit and he wrote on the, on the heart 
which is the Spirit. He wrote on your heart his law. God is not going to govern you by the law anymore. He's placed it on your heart so that your spirit governs your body now. I'm going to get into this because I don't think, because that's the part that, that really loses people. God has placed, uh, has given you everything that you need to be successful. When you look in the mirror and you see your body as your identity, you're deceived. And so what you do is you think that by, so it makes you try to govern your, get your life through the body. And you think if I can keep these laws and do these things right and not, like you think that sin is now separating between you and God. God dealt with the spiritual eternal part of you. It has nothing to do with the body. Your body's not going to heaven. And so it is your job to bring your body under subjection. Your sins are paid for. Either they are or they aren't. Either Jesus said it's finished and it's completely paid for or it's not. Is it a down payment or did he redeem us? Did he take away the sins of the world or are they still somewhat there? See, this, I get it. This is very offensive when you, when you deal with this and you're talking to people who, who, who think they know the scripture. This is very offensive for me to say that Jesus completely paid for sin because then it, they feel like it takes away your responsibility to, 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 to not sin. I'm saying sin is irrelevant to the born-again believer. Now, I'm saying spiritually, it is irrelevant to the born-again believer. Sin is irrelevant. It has, been, it has been taken care of in the spirit. Now, I like what Pastor Rocky said one, one time, and I, I say I, I kind of stole it. In the flesh, if you do, you do sinful stuff, stupid stuff, you're going to win stupid prizes. You're still going to pay in the flesh. So I don't spend my time trying to teach, trying to, I don't spend some of my time bringing condemnation on people to try to bring them to a place. I'm not trying to teach you how to, uh, uh, to uh, modify your behavior. What I do is I bring out your spirit man. I tell you who you are. You say, why do these men, why do they flock in? Why do they even listen? Why do they come to these men's Bible studies? Because I'm, I'm dealing with their true identity. I don't care about your body. That's your responsibility. I'm not here to govern flesh. I'm here to bring out the spirit. I need to get you to enthrone your spirit so that you walk after the spirit and not after your flesh. The Bible says in Romans 8 verse 1, it says, For there is there now therefore no condemnation to any man who be in Christ, who walks not after the flesh but after the spirit. Now, we think that that means a person should just be spiritual. Being spiritual is not an act. It's not something, it's not a dress code. It's not like how often you go to church. It's not, it's not like how often you read your Bible or fast or, or how, how well you control your body. Being spiritual means to walk in your identity as a spirit and not as a body. That's where you fail. Do you understand that you are a spirit? Do you understand that your spirit is holy? We're trying to become holy. When if you're born of the Holy Spirit, you are already holy. Why? Because, because the Holy Spirit doesn't give birth to unholy spirits. And so when you sin, you feel bad. Why? Not because God is condemning you, but because your spirit is condemning you. The Bible says in 1 John, brother, if you see that, where it says, 1 John, uh, and I'm, I'm, I kind of got a, a momentum going because I'm thinking I'm going to run out of time. 
in 1 John where it says, uh, uh, well, I can just quote it. It says, if our hearts condemn us, <laughs> then God is greater than our hearts. But if our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence before God. Notice, if your heart condemns you, what is your heart? Your spirit will condemn you. If you sin, your spirit will condemn you. Well, wait a minute. The scripture says that the Holy Spirit condemns us, condemns us. The Holy Spirit does not condemn the believer. He does not reprove the believer. Reprove means to abrade, to rebuke, to chastise, to chasten. He does not, he does not rebuke you for sin. You say, wait a minute, what about, Rome? what about John chapter 16, verse 9? The scripture says that the Holy Spirit, or I think it was uh, the verse before that. Uh, John chapter 16. Man, I don't even know if all this is on here. Just follow me if you can. John chapter 16, it's not verse 9. It's a, it's a scripture just, a, just ahead of it. Anyway, it says this. Uh, thank you, brother. <laughs> it says, uh, when he has come, he will reprove the who? Who? Who will he reprove? So the Holy Spirit is reproving who? The world. Are you of the world? No, you're born again. If you're born again, you're not part of the world. So he's not reproving you of sin. He reproves the world. He rebukes the world. He, he convicts the world of sin to bring them to the knowledge that they are sinning. Of sin, why? The scripture says, because they believe not on the Son of God. Once you've believed in the Son of God, the Holy Spirit has accomplished his, his deal. Now he gives you a new spirit, and now your spirit is governing you. The Bible says this. It says, matter of fact, it calls the Holy Spirit, it calls him uh, the teacher. Matter of fact, there's a scripture that says, the anointing abide within you and you need no man teach you. It says, Jesus says to us that when the comforter comes, he will come and he will teach you all things, whatsoever things I have, to, I have said to you. Right? So we go, to, we go to Galatians chapter 4, verse 1, and it talks about how a child, though he's Lord of all, he differs nothing, than a, nothing, nothing from a servant because he's still under governors and tutors. The governor that God has placed over your flesh is your spirit. The tutor is the Holy Spirit. He's the teacher. So the thing that comes when, the, when you sin and you commit sin, your immediately your nature inside your conscience will, will condemn you. It'll tell you you're doing something wrong and that you're unclean. And what do you do? You repent. But who are you? What the, spirit, what, the, what the spirit in you does is it now helps you to get control over your body. It is the indicator to let you know that you have fallen short. Ezekiel 36, 26, a new heart will I give you and I will give you a new spirit and I'll take out the heart of stone and I'll put in a heart of flesh within your flesh. And then the very next verse, it says, then I'll put my spirit in you to cause you to walk in my statutes and my commandments to do them. The Holy Spirit comes to, because who is the Holy Spirit? He's the comforter, the one called alongside. And now if he comes alongside, what is he coming alongside? Your flesh? No. Your flesh is devilish. Remember? It has the nature of Satan in it. It wars against the spirit. Your flesh is your enemy. You can doll it up. You can put perfume on it. It's still flesh. And when it dies, it's going to lay right in the casket. And the real you is going to go on forever and ever and ever. Whether it be whether you've accepted Christ and you spend eternity elsewhere, separated from God, or whether you have believed in the, in the Lord and you have, have found your place in Christ. For if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. 
Behold, all things have passed away and all things have become new. Everything that you've, all the whole, the old life is gone. There's a new life that's within you. What am I saying? Let me, let me sum this up for you. If you are a believer in the Lord, your heart, I know a lot, know you love God. And I know you struggle trying to keep the law, trying to do what pleases. There's one thing that God, the, the, the pinnacle, the utmost thing that gives God pleasure is that you believe in the gift that he gave. Why? Because why is the world, how is the world sinning? Where, what is the sin? Not believing. It's not believing in Jesus. People say, you know, they tell you that story. You know, the way to, the way to, to destruction is broad and many there be that find it. And the way to salvation is narrow. Right? Why is it narrow? Because it bottlenecks on Jesus. Sin is no longer. The Bible says that your iniquities have, have separated between you and your God and your sins have hidden his face from him. That's the Old Testament. And it was true then. But now Jesus, he who knew no sin, has become sin that you might be the righteousness of God in Christ. So once Jesus now comes and you believe in Jesus, he has taken the entire sin debt and paid it within himself. So what is standing between you and God is not sin. It's Jesus. And he's not standing there like this going, nope, you're not good enough. No, you, you don't measure up. You didn't go to church enough. You didn't read your Bible. Yep. No, but you're, you're, you. No, he's not doing that. His arms are still permanently outstretched. Come. Come unto me, all you who thirst, and I'll give you to drink. Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden. Come unto me. I'll give you rest. Jesus is still inviting you. Because why? He paid for that very purpose to reconcile you back to the Father. That's 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Just read that whole chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 18, I think it is, right after that one where it says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Behold, all things have passed away and all things have become new. See, if you're still thinking, just like when Adam, when he said the day you eat of this, you shall surely die, just like you thought Adam should have died physically and you missed it, if you think that all, thing, that, that all things have become new and you thought you were supposed to look different, you missed it again because he wasn't talking physical in either case. He's talking spiritual. The moment he, he ate that tree, he did die spiritually. The moment that you, that you believed in Christ, you became a new creation spiritually. You are a spirit. Why are we stuck on the body? If I teach you how to do what's right through the law, then all I'm doing is modifying your behavior. The law is ten don'ts. And you, that's how you govern flesh. The flesh is lawless by nature. It has Satan's nature in it. So it's naturally going to oppose you. But the spirit is life. The Bible says any man that sows to the flesh will reap corruption. And they that sow to the spirit will reap life everlasting. You have a choice. Which one, you, you're going to, which one are you going to manifest on earth? If you sow to the flesh, you might not be around here very long. Sin will do what it does. It will teach you not to mess with it. I don't have to teach you. I don't have to tell you don't sin, don't do this. You're going to crash and burn. My job is just to love you, is to keep loving on you so that when you do crash and burn, which is inevitable, then you'll, you'll know you can come to me and I can pick you up and say, I know you fell down. Get up. Get up. Get up. You're a spirit. You're holy. The Father, look, your heart's condemning you right now. That's why you feel bad. 
but God is greater, right? Isn't that what the scripture says? That's why I write these notes down, and, I, and then I can't preach off of them. You know, I was praying last night. I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I write this stuff down, and I, I'm just trying to put together a message. He says, you prepare the dance floor. We'll do the, the prophetic dance together. And I'll lead. And I'll lead. And so I just took a sigh of relief. I can quote these scriptures, but having to prove. I, I, here's my, this is my disclaimer. See me after church if you have any questions. And if you have any comments on the, online, I will get you these scriptures. Or you can Google it. I promise you they're in there. I've done my research. I know these scriptures are true. And some of you in your hearts, you know it too. So I'm saying to you, Jesus, you are not a body. You are not a body. Stop looking in the mirror trying to, trying to figure out your value. Your value is not in that. Something's only worth what you're willing to pay for it. God traded the only begotten son for your life. That's the value you've placed upon yourself. And you diminish it and you, you sell it out for something less. You sell it out for drugs. You sell it out for, for relationships. You sell, you sell something that is priceless for nothing. You sell it out to a job. You sell it out for affirmation from, from people who, who themselves are broken because hurt people hurt people. You can only, your value can only be valued by the person who appraised you. God appraised you. He invested in you. He gave you his spirit. The same nature. The Bible says if any man have not the spirit of God, he, he does not belong to, to God. If you have not the spirit of Christ, you don't belong to God. But you have that spirit. Why? Because that's the same spirit that Jesus was born, was born of is the same spirit you're born of. The Holy Spirit is the parent spirit. He has given birth to you. You didn't used to feel nothing when you sinned. Now you can't get no rest if you do something wrong. And you say, wait a minute, but what is God going to do about the sinning? That's your responsibility. Get it right. We're not going to praise sin around here. I'm going to tell you, you do stupid stuff, you, give, you win stupid prizes. And so I'm going to say, we have a winner if you come to me. Real talk. Because you knew when you did it that you shouldn't have, and I'm just going to say it. And so, when you, so I'm not going to condemn you. I'm not going to condemn you. What am I doing? I'm drawing out the, you are the new man. It's you against you. It's you against you. It's you, the spirit man, against your flesh. Now, the real war is the spirit against the flesh. Now, look at what the scripture says. It says in Galatians 5, 17. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary one to another. So that you cannot do what you want to do sometimes. What? Yeah, there's a, there's a duel going on. You didn't know there's a battle going on between you and you? You're looking at the devil, you're trying to blame him. You're looking at the world, you're trying to blame the world system. No, you are the problem. The problem is right there that you're looking at it every day and investing in it. There's a choice. There's a choice to either walk after the spirit or to walk after the flesh. Man. The spirit, do you know man has a spirit? 1 Corinthians 2.11. For what man knoweth the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Where's the spirit of man? It's in him, right? Even so, the things of God, who knows the things of God except the spirit of God? These are two different spirits. 
So sometimes you read the scripture and you say that you, if you're led by the spirit, and we think they're talking about the Holy Spirit, talking about AKA the parent spirit, when he's talking about your spirit, the new spirit that he gave you, if you'll be led by that, if you'll allow your spirit to be enthroned and follow the things of God, follow, you, need to, you need to consume the word of God. Remember, your responsibility is to redeem your mind. The Bible says, the, and Peter, Peter says, the washing of regeneration by the word of God. It's not an option. It's not optional. Like, if you don't know the word, how can you ever be free? Here, I'm saying some stuff that can set you free, and you don't know whether it's true or not. And you wonder why I walk in victory. Why do I risk going out and, and man, I'm going after the people that y'all, that everybody else didn't wrote off. Why? Because I understand that once they believe, I'm pulling out the new life that's in them. I'm not condemning them. I'm not trying to, I don't care. Listen, you, go, you, go, you can win some stupid prizes if you want to. I'm going to tell you what's right. And if you want to follow that, and, and, and then you're going to have victory in your life. My job is to show you heaven. This is what heaven looks like. Watch my life. When you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So I don't not sin because I'm trying to get to heaven. I don't sin for them. Why? So that my witness can be credible. I'm, walk, I'm demonstrating what it's like to walk in the Spirit of God. I'm demonstrating the victory of walking in the Spirit of God. Not, not to show myself as higher than them because I'm getting under them and I'm serving them. Because why? I'm trying to bring out, I'm bringing out the true identity. You are a spirit. You are holy. Follow your spirit. Your spirit is telling you what to do. You know what's right versus what is wrong. Because the law is written on your heart. Why did he write the law upon your heart and you don't need anybody to ask if it's right or if it's wrong? So that your spirit will have what it needs to govern your flesh. Because your flesh is lawless and your spirit is not. The law is ten don'ts. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus is two do's. Do love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and do love your neighbor as yourself. So we have to learn to exist and be who we really, really are. Proverbs 20, 27 says, The spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. Do you know there's a spirit that man has? And God enlightens man by his spirit. That's why he calls it a candle of the Lord. <laughs> man. God is so good. Here in, uh, in Romans 6, 11 and 12, it says, likewise, reckon yourselves also to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And let not sin therefore reign in your mortal bodies that you should obey it in the lust thereof. Don't let it reign. It doesn't have power over you anymore. If you're doing it now, when you know after you've got the new spirit and you feel that there's something wrong and you're still doing it, that's just dumb. Now, you're gonna, I'm not saying you're not going to fall into it. I don't want you to feel bad. Don't lay down in it. That's not your identity. Get up and say, man, that's not who I am. Shake off the dust. I tell you, listen, sons and daughters of God, we may step in sin, but we don't wallow in it. Come on, we don't wallow in it. Why? Is this, why, why am I needing? You say, well, what's the point then? If, if sin is covered and I'm going to heaven anyway, the point is your life is not your own. And you're needing also to be a, a witness for the people who are coming along behind you. Your endeavor not to sin is not so you can get to heaven. It's so that you can demonstrate it to the others that you're trying to win. The Bible says after the Holy, Acts 1 and 8, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power and you shall be witnesses of me. 
both in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. The word witness there is the word martyr. You think, oh, my God, we got to die? Well, a dead witness ain't no good, so that's not what he really means. No, you mean, that means you're going to have to die to self. When Jesus says, take, your, take up your cross and follow me, that means die for what I died for. Sacrifice yourself for what I sacrificed myself for. Not put on a show in front of everybody and show how, everybody how, how spiritual you think you are because you, because you don't do the sins that they do, so you'll preach against those, but you won't preach against the ones that you're doing. No, it means take your cross up and now sacrifice your life. Be a martyr now. Put, a, put aside your own personal, your own personal uh, agendas and begin to sacrifice yourself for them. Why do, I, why do I not do certain things? I do it because of you. It's for your sake. Does that make me better? No, it just makes me realize, man, my life is not my own. Like, like I get to love people. I'm saved. Like, I'm declared safe already. You know, I'm not waiting to go to heaven and have eternal life. I have it right now. I'm walking in eternal life. You're, you want to see what an eternal person looks like? I just turned 50. I was like, what? My birthday is what? Oh, y'all still, still on temporal time. I'm on eternal time. Y'all better, better tell my body something because I'm not feeling it. There's a, you are eternal. You are eternal beings right now. Do you know that? You, live, you have eternal life. The moment you believe, you have eternal life. You can, how can you say you have eternal life right now and think that there's a possibility that you, that you might not be saved? Are you saved or not? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed him should not perish but have eternal life. In the judgment, that'll be determined. No, right now. You're sons and, God, sons and daughters of God right now. First, uh, first, first John 3, 2 says, beloved, now we are the sons of God. When are we the sons of God? Why would we? It can't be now if it's still a possibility. No, you're walking in eternal life. You are sons and daughters right now. Not physically. Stop looking at your body. I don't care how cute you think it is. It's temporary. Somebody will mourn your body because they don't know that you are a spirit. Now walk after that. Man, if you didn't know you was a spirit, no wonder you was walking after the flesh. No wonder you was always constantly walking in condemnation. Why? Because there is now, therefore, no condemnation. Any man who be in Christ who walks not after the flesh but after the spirit. My, my endeavor today is to get you to understand what you already have, to let you know that you are already born again as a believer, that you are already walking in eternal life right now, that you are already the sons and daughters of God. And from that now, step out the prison. Get your identity out of your prison. Your body is the prison. It will govern you. It's not locked. He whom the Son has set free is free indeed. You have an ability now to walk after and follow your spirit. You need to, you need to consume the word of God so you know what, what you have and who you are and what your rights are. You want me to tell you what the sin problem is? Identity. It's identity. Because you don't know. You don't know who you are. You think you are what you do. Because you don't know who you are, you think you are what you do. For, for uh, Romans 6 uh, says, uh, for sin shall not have dominion over you. 
for you're not under the law, but under grace. That's not talking about your physical actions. I'm talking about your spirit. When you were a sinner, condemned by the warden called sin. You know what the, you know what the warden uses? He uses the law to convict you. And then your body works with him to keep you bound. And so then you can't do what you want to do. When you're, a, when you're a sinner, not redeemed by Christ, you can't help but sin. That's just what you do. But when you transition out of that place then you, and you realize that I'm born again, now my thing is I'm trying to bring my spirit to a place where I begin to follow who, who God is, who I've become. Because once I begin to walk in that, even though I fall, I can get back up and know that's not my identity. And I don't have to walk in condemnation because I am a new creation. And all the past, Paul says, man, forgetting those things that, that were behind. Sometimes, man, you just need to have the ability, you need to have a supernatural ability to forget. To forget what you did two seconds ago and get back up. And get back up. Forgetting those things that are behind, I am constantly and always, that's not what the scripture is. Let me quote the scripture. Forgetting those things that are behind, I press towards the mark of the high calling, which is in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to say it this way. You need to forget what you did two seconds ago. You need to get back up and you need to get back pressing again. And you need to press towards the mark. What's the mark? The mark is glory. That's where you fell from. For all men have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I am pressing towards the mark of the high calling in Christ Jesus, which is to return back to the place, of, the place of glory that we fell from in Adam. So that now I take dominion. You worried about taking dominion over money and taking dominion over trees and animals and, and sometimes over other people, which you, which you have no dominion over, and you don't want to take dominion over your own body. Your first territory to take authority over is your body. But you can't do that if you think that's who you are. Because you think, man, I'm just a drug addict. I'm just a this or that or that. You know what they are. Just put the label on it. You've been labeled by it, and you received those labels because you didn't know who you really were. Let's walk in the spirit. I wish you could see yourself right now. I wish that somehow you could step outside of yourself and then you could just, you could, you could see, maybe you're looking in a mirror and you're able to step outside of yourself and you can see the temporary you, the part that you're disgusted with because that's who I thought I was and see the holy you that's still, that's light. When Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, I believe it was like he, they, he, saw, he showed himself the way that he really is beneath the veil of his flesh. Your flesh is a veil. And it's veiled to the world. It veils your spirit from the world when you walk in it. But if you walk in your identity as a spirit and you begin to, to know who you've become in the spirit and you allow the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, I'm talking not just your, your spirit, because remember, that's a new heart and a new spirit, but he's going to give you his spirit, which is parakletos, one called alongside to help. The, the parent spirit will come alongside to help your spirit to govern your body. It's time. It's time to walk in victory. We can do that. The victory. Victory over what? Over you. It's me against me. <laughs> My enemy is not you. My enemy is me. So what does holiness look like on the outside? It looks like a man that's got authority over his body. That's what ho It's not a dress code. 
You can, you can take all the makeup off if you want to, and you can put long dresses on, long sleeve shirts, and, you know, and that's not holiness. <laughs> that's not holiness. Holiness is that man's ability to take authority and to, and to, and to, and to make his body come in subjection. I say it like this, and I'm going to close with this. As Christians, we, had, we have to potty train our flesh. You do stupid stuff, you win stupid prizes. I mean, I, man, that, that spoke volumes to me. I say it again, man. Do stupid stuff, sin is stupid. Do stupid stuff, win stupid prizes. But I'm not going to condemn you for it. Amen? I'm going to say, hey, get up. What are you doing? Don't stay down there. That ain't who you are. Get up. Just don't do that no more. You see how that felt? You see that? My kid falls down in the mud. I don't say, you're stupid. You're just a muddy kid. No, I say, get up. Get that off you. Get in there and get those clothes off and change those clothes. And I keep what's valuable and I throw the other in the wash. But our, our theology is to take the baby and throw away with the bath water. Come on, let's stand to our feet. Right? God is so faithful. He is faithful in everything. He has over-equipped you and you didn't even realize it. Because this is good news. This is good news. This isn't condemning. This isn't, I hope you don't take this as a condemning word. You should be looking at yourself. I can't believe you've been pimping me like this, flesh. That's what you need. Say that to you. Say that to yourself. I want you to say, flesh, I can't believe you've been pimping me this whole time. Come on. Come on now. I want you to say it because I need you to feel what it feels like to say something. Because see, go ahead. Say it. Flesh, I can't believe you've been pimping me this whole time. <laughs> Father, thank you so much, Lord. Thank you that you've given us the victory. You've given us the victory over the devil and all of his vices. When he just, when he, when he put that mole in our, in our identity that caused us to do his will instead of the will of the Father, I thank you that you've delivered us from that. I thank you, Lord, you've given us power. You broke the chains on the prison. You've shaken what can be shaken, and the walls of the prison have, have been destroyed. The locks have been broken off, Father, and now we walk in the victory. You've broken the chains of bondage. We thought the chains of bondage were vices that were on the outside, when really they were the appetites of our flesh that had us bound. And, Father, I thank you, Lord, that you have released us to be, to be powerful. Lord God, you have, you have given us, Lord, to, the ability to take our spirits and set them on the throne of our lives and to be governed by them and not by our flesh. Lord, we glorify you right now. Thank you, Jesus. I pray blessings over your people tonight, Lord. Father, if there's any that haven't believed, I pray that in this moment, Lord, they will believe that you are good. <laughs> and Lord, that you have completely given them the power to be set free. Because he whom the Son has set free is free indeed. And Lord, we bless you right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. God bless you guys.